is Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. Good morning, again. <laughs> Good morning, Lily. Today, we're going to take a pause in Stay Positive. We, for the last three weeks, four weeks, have been digging into try to wrestle against, like, where we, where we want to go, where we feel like going with the negativity. And we're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks. But I, I feel like we need to stop and take a moment and address some very present things, some things that are screaming in our faces that we have a responsibility as a church, not just relate, but the body of Christ. Everybody say, we're the body of Christ. Something, something at large going on in the world, in the church, and uh, I have to. I usually don't give any kind of a, a preface to a message. We just dive in and go into it. But I want to say a couple things. Um, this, this is really one of those topics where I feel like the church has a responsibility to do something. I feel like the church has not been doing what they're supposed to do. I feel like the, the body of Christ. So when I say the church, I don't just mean this church. I mean us. But the, but the answer when we are the solution or when, when we have a responsibility to do something, that starts right here. So I'm not telling you, hey, you better. I'm saying we should, us together, need to stand up and bring healing to the world. We need to stand up and be a part of the solution in a world where there's not a lot of people being a solution. They're just pointing out problems. And so I'm not saying I have all the answers. And I'm also going to tell you this. I, I was listening to one pastor this week um, describing uh, racial tension and describing what it means to be unified in a world where there are so many different opinions and so many different world lived experiences and, and, and perspectives that it's really hard to not hurt someone's feelings or it's really hard to not offend someone. It's almost like the answer for all of us is on the other side of a, li- uh, a land minefield, a minefield. And the only way to get there is to somehow get through the landmines. And if we discuss this topic, we're going to step on some landmines. But the only way to get to healing is to be willing to take some hits and to be able to sustain the landmine. And so all I can say is this, is everything I'm going to say today, I hope, is a standard of hope. Like, let's go somewhere. Let's be a part of a solution. Let's bring hope and unity and, and address the division that's in the world in a way I hope that is, is not offensive to you, but I can't promise that everything I'm going to say today is not going to hurt your feelings. Just let's agree that if I hurt your feelings, we can talk about it. If not, then I'm going to pray for you, and you can pray for me, and we can continue to pursue God and His plan for our lives, because I don't believe, and I'll probably say this 10 times today, I don't believe that we're all united under one nation. I don't believe we're all united under one flag or one color or one anything other than one name, which is the name that is above all names. I believe that we as the body of Christ has to stand up, and the first thing that's first has to be the name of Jesus. And if we'll put that first, we can overcome any, any division, any obstacle, anything that separates us. So if you're, if you're sitting uncomfortable right now, and you just all of a sudden, since I've been talking, you just got tense, just relax. <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody up and... Uh, 
you, you got your space. You're six foot. I, I really got excited thinking, hey, this is a big new room. It's not in the dark theater. I, I can walk around the room, but then I realized everybody has a six foot bubble, so I really can't walk around. So I can go right here, <laughs> and I can get my six foot right here. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. So we're going to take it easy with the, um, a topic I, I feel like has to be addressed for at least this week, maybe next week too. And we can discuss how do we, what's our responsibility? What, what is God expecting of the church? Because we wake up in every day of life thinking, God, what, do you, what, do you, what's my, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? What do you expect of me? And so today I think we can address what does God want from the church in the midst of not just COVID-19, racial tensions and struggles. And there are likely to be, everybody's talking about how 2020 is just one thing after another and after another. I think that whenever those things arise, we have a responsibility to step up and say, okay, if there's a problem, then God gives the answer to the church. The, the church should be the answer. We should be bringing grace. When darkness abounds, how much more does grace abound? How much more will there be an outpouring of grace and light the light of God, if, if we step up, if we, if we say, hey, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole, then guess what? The darkness can keep growing. So you might be thinking, uh-oh, I wonder what he'll say, but otherwise, I'm not involved. I'm not touching this. You have to touch it because the, 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 the answer starts right here. So I want to show you a couple. I'm going to try to give you a lot of scriptures today. But I'm also going to try to give you some practical things on how do we work together to address the divisions. And the divisions are not just on the street downtown. They're not just around the world somewhere. They're not just on the news. They're right in our homes. They're in our hearts. They're, they're everywhere we look. They're in our neighborhoods. The divisions that we can address, that we can start to be the solutions, are right here in my head, in your head. We have to take responsibility for how do we, how do we be unified. First, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes the body of Christ as we are one body. We're all different pieces of that same body moving. That's the body of Christ. He said, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if, if there are brothers and sisters in this world that are struggling and fighting and in pain, that means that this part of the body is suffering and, and in pain also. And we can't be disconnected. That's like saying, hey, my hand hurts. I'm going to cut it off. We can't do that. We have to say, let's, let's get the body together to where it's functioning the way it's meant to. In the first service, I got a little too uh, excited, so I'm going to bring myself back down and take a deep breath, calm down. There are a lot of people suffering around the world and struggling, grieving, and hurting beyond description. We can't fly under the radar and say, well, we'll just wait till it's over. We can't fly under the radar and say, well, there's nothing I can do, so we'll, they'll let me know when it's over. As the body of Christ, we hurt together. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. And I can tell you this, that this church relate for the last two and a half, three years, we don't need a reason to rejoice. We, we can party over anything. We can, we can have a party just, if I said, hey, we're having a party tomorrow night at my house, there are probably a hundred people there. <laughs> we know how to have a party. But sometimes we have to back up. Otherwise, what happens is there are people hurting. And how bad is it when you're in a place and no, when everybody else is partying and you're hurting? 
Can we slow down enough to mourn with those who are mourning? Can we slow down long enough to say, hey, wait a second. Something's happening. So while we're all ready to party, we all want to just feel better. We all want to get past the negativity, like stay positive. Hey, just stay positive. Sometimes you have to get down and mourn. Sometimes we have to slow down and acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged. A turning point for me, I think like many other people, I watched the video uh, of, of George Floyd being arrested and pinned down and struggling to breathe. And I can tell you that we don't, it affected me so uh, greatly that I, I couldn't watch it all the way through for the, first, for the first time I watched it. I really, really struggled to watch it. I didn't want to watch it. And then I made myself go back again and watch it. And I had, to, I had to go back again about five times just to finish it. There are some things that you can look the other direction and ignore. But I think this is one of those things that I don't care what background you come from. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And I have a lot of pastor friends who are saying things and people getting upset and, and leaving the church or not liking what they have to say. And I'm at the point where I feel like if we're going to be part of the solution, I have to say it. And you, have to li- you have to listen. And wherever that puts us on the other side of this message, I hope that we're still family. I hope that we're still uh, going in the same direction. I hope that we can honor God with our lives and not ignore things that can't be ignored. Physically, I, I really felt physically sick when I watched the video. And there are moments in life, I think, where we have to respond and today, in preparing for this message, I really struggled with, okay, what's our response? What is, what's the response? What can I say? I, I, I listened to a podcast this week of uh, uh, a few pastors discussing all different backgrounds, people from different ethnic places, different lived experiences, and kind of the, the consensus was we don't, may not know what the answer is. We don't know what the what the solution is. Don't know how to respond. And I can tell you that every time I think of a solution or a response or even, we've been responding online since six weeks ago, a month ago, posting this or that in support. And this is what we stand for. And this is what God wants from us. And I think that we have to go beyond that. But what is, what is our next step? We talk a lot about next steps, but what's, what step can we physically take to make a difference in the world, not just have church, not just, hey, we're going to see you at church next week. I want to read this to you from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. I think it really, it gives us a great starting point. And the Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands, two things. Like there's right and wrong in the world of things that God expects from you. Would you just take your finger like this and point it right at yourself? (laughs) He expects and demands, and he, he wants things from us. So would you read this with me, what, he, what is right and what he demands? Read it out loud. See that justice is done. That's one thing. What's the next one? Let mercy be your first concern so we can, we can bring justice with mercy. We can stand for justice and mercy. And the third thing, and humbly, what does it say? Humbly obey your God. That means that we can walk with humility not to, I'm not standing, I promise you, I'm not standing here saying, I got the answer. Everybody listen. If anything, I feel like 
unqualified to even talk about this, but I'm not unqualified to say that God has purpose for us and that we should be walking by faith. And I'm also not too qualified. I'm not, not so unqualified or qualified that I can't say, hey, we all make mistakes. We've got to get it right at some point, though. So we got to do what's right, act justly, look for justice, mercy, humility. And I, I think this is, this, is a, this is a tough topic when we talk about justice. Why? Because when, when you turn on the news, you look at social media, what is justice? What's the first thing we think about? Police officers. We look at our men and women in uniform, and the first thing we want to say is, oh, you're wrong, you're at fault, you're at fault, you're not at fault. And we want to blame and I can tell you that this is not about police officers. It's about all of us. When I say the prob- problem, the solution to the problem starts right here, it's not about police officers. I, I I've, have known and know a lot of police officers. This may be the most contro- controversial thing I say today. There's some bad police officers. I believe there are. There are many bad police officers. But there's also some bad uh, pastors and I'm not going to defend all the pastors that I know, and I'm not going to defend all the police officers I know, but I do know this, that the problem is not the, the police officers. The problem is not bad police. The problem is bad people, people doing bad things. And enough is enough. Sure, there are some bad people. Here's, here's the controversial part. I do not believe that you have to choose a side. I don't believe that you have to choose a side. Why? Because I think that we should be able to wholeheartedly support police officers that are doing the right thing. But we also ought to be able to wholeheartedly stand up against injustice and say enough is enough. We should be able to look at a situation and say this is wrong, I can't stand for it. But not point at every, everything and say, oh, it's all wrong. I've talked to a lot of people in the last month, like so many conversations, and people don't know what to say. They say, you know what, I absolutely care about this, but I don't know what, this, I don't know what to do. I feel like if I say something, it's going to be wrong. I, I can, that resonates with me 100%. I, do, I don't know what the right thing to, but I, I, have, to, I have to say that, that we have to walk into a solution. Hopefully you've been listening and you've been learning and you've been realizing that there's a problem and that we have to find what the solution is. We have to be able to pray for the injustice, pray for God to show up in a big way, but also pray to support those who are doing the right things, to find peace and to find justice. So how can we help? I'm going to give you four things. You can write them down if you're taking notes, four things that you can do, practical things, to bring a difference that starts right here in you, in me, in us, here's the first thing. Number one, admit that racism is real. You can write that down. You can admit that racism is real. I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, that's just not the experience I've had growing up. That's okay. I don't, I don't see it. There are people who say, I don't see it. So it must not be real. I think you have to like be a grown-up and realize sometimes things happen that we don't understand. We have different experiences and different, different perspectives from the way that we grew up, from the neighborhood that we grew up in. And from my perspective, from me as a human, 
as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, I can tell you that I feel like that takes uh, a lot of cultural humility. It takes me being able to say, hey, I don't understand everything. I don't have all the answers in my head because the way I grew up. And I know that there's some things that I don't understand. We all have biases, different perspective, different, different opinions. And one of the biggest problems, I think, with, and I can speak to this directly, with white culture, because I am very white, I can tell you this, that we have a problem that we think because that's the way we grew up, that's how everybody feels. Or we feel like that's what happened when I was a kid, so that must have been everybody's experience. That's absolutely not true. We can't be a part of a solution to a problem that we don't acknowledge exists. I'm not saying that we are the solution. I'm saying that we are a part of the solution and that we have to stand up and say, hey, I'll help. If someone's working and struggling and in pain, the first thing we should do is say, hey, I want to help. How do I help? Let me be in the right place. Just tell me what to do. A real, real change starts at home. If, if we got a problem with drugs in America, we got a problem with drugs in our neighborhood, what's the first thing we do? We teach our kids. Hey, hey guys, so my, my kids are eight, almost 18, 16, in high school, and college. And since they were born, we had it in, in, in our hearts and in our, in our minds to raise them knowing that we're all part of God's family and that God doesn't love you more than he loves your the other kids sitting across the, the table or across the, the classroom or the ball field. God loves you the same, and we're brothers and sisters in the same family. And no matter how much they hurt you, no matter how fierce the competition gets, no matter what happens at school or whose feelings get hurt, you still got to love them. Like, that's the bottom line. We, we should be teaching our kids that, to respect everybody. I, tell, I, I can't tell you the thousands of times that I've told my, my son and daughter, you know, we love everybody. We love everybody. They come home complaining about somebody that they can't stand at school because such so-and-so said something. I don't care who they are, what they look like. We love everybody. Well, Dad, you just don't understand what they did. We love everybody. We're going to love everybody because we're all God's children. That's probably the most cliche thing I'll say the whole, the whole day. We're all God's children. And how, how, how do you think, my kids never come to me and say uh, that I should hate the other, the other sibling. Why? Because they know I love them both. They're not going to take one of their sides when they're fighting. We have to grow past the us and them language and get to a place where it's us and us. Here's another thing. If one of my kids is hurting, if my daughter, if Grace is, is injured or hurting or in pain or she's, she's upset and I find out about it, you know what? I go right to her. And I don't worry about Jake, even if he's in the room or across the room. If he's not hurt, I'm not worried about him. If my daughter's in pain or, or hurt, I'm going to go deal with her. I don't have to go check in with my son to say, hey, you know I still love you, right? She matters right now but you know I still love you. I don't do that. I just go take care of her. 
That's why I feel like we ought to be able to say the phrase, Black Lives Matter. We ought to be able to believe that lives matter. And the first thing people want to say is, you know, no, 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 all lives matter. Listen, we can say all lives matter, but if you can't say black lives matter, then you don't believe that all lives matter. If all lives matter, then black lives matter. And I don't have to check with my son to make sure it's okay that my daughter's okay. If she matters in that moment, we ought to be able to attend to the problem without having to go and make sure everybody, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? Okay, now I'll take care of the problem. We should be able to hurt with those who are hurting, mourn with those who are mourning, and grow past the us and them to get to us and us. Of course all lives matter. Of course every life matters. Unborn lives matter. Black lives matter. White lives matter. Every other lives matter. But if, if, if someone's hurting, we don't have to fight a battle to be able to help them. So we can call racism wrong. In fact, we can call racism evil. And if we're supposed to be blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, look, if it's our job to bring peace, if it's our job to love people, if it's our job, then we don't have to have an argument to, to love people. I'm not saying it's easy. In fact, it's likely painful. We're back in that, in that minefield, stepping on landmines. There's going to be casualties of people getting feelings hurt and offended, but we have to be able to do what we're supposed to do. Number two, the next three will go pretty quick. We have to admit racism is real. Number two, listen. Ask questions to people. Open a dialogue and have conversations with people. People who have different backgrounds, different perspectives, different experiences, we have to be able to say, hey, how does this affect you? How does this I've had conversations with people in the last month that I was many times shocked to hear the answers. But that's what happens when you ask someone, how, does, how is this in your life? Well, how does this affect you? How, does, how has race, racism impacted your life? You might be shocked to hear the answers. You might be uncomfortable with the answers you get. But that's like the first step to us getting to a place where, hey, how can we be unified in this? Because I believe that there's a place in this world where we can come together and we can have, this is going to shock some of you. I, I feel like we should be able to, if we're united under one name, the name of Jesus, we should be able to have different opinions on political things, you, different political, different sides of political aisle. We should have different opinions on different issues and still be able to show up in the same building and worship God and live for God. Without having, well, wait a second, what do you believe about such and such? That's crazy. And yet we divide ourselves down to where there's nobody left. This is said so many times that Sunday mornings are the most segregated, divided places on the planet. Why? Because I, I, I put a lot of thought into this, but I think for, for a big part of that, it's, the, it's what happens right here on this stage. It's the kind of music that we listen to. But it actually goes beyond that. You go to different churches, well, I like this music. I like this music. Who cares what kind of music you like? Who cares what kind of music I like? I just hurt someone's feelings, I think. <laughs> I can tell you, how about this? Y'all will not believe this if I tell you. I don't like all the songs we sing. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, like, I like some of the songs we sing. 
You know what? You know why we sing the songs that we sing? <laughs> Jason, I'm not upset. I t- what do I tell you guys all the time? We have a meeting. I say, sing what you want to sing. Sometimes we sing a song, and I say, don't sing that song again. <laughs> you know why? Because the bottom line for me is, what song can we sing that someone's going to give their heart to God? I'm not sitting down here thinking, oh, man, I love this song. This is a- we need to sing this a thousand times so I can just sit here and sway. That, that's not, for me, that's not what it's about. It's about what brings somebody whose life is in darkness and they're far from God, how can we get them to know God? Let's sing that song. And let's sing it as long as people keep giving their heart to God. If it's fast, if it's slow, if it takes two minutes or 20 minutes, that's all I care about. Someone give their heart to God? Someone have a life change? Did someone get transformed by the power of God? So if we can, if we can make everything else in our lives We don't have to enjoy the conversation. We don't even, hey, this is going to get some of you. We don't even have to enjoy each other's company. Sometimes I get on Facebook and I'm like, oh, my goodness. We just need to shut everybody's Facebook down. We need to shut everybody's Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. Just shut it down. Close the Internet. It's not going to happen. But here's the thing. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't have to be friends with the person sitting next to you right now. Don't look around. You just looked at somebody. Then they got their feelings hurt. I listened this week to Pastor Kevin Gerald, who is white, and Pastor Earl McClellan, who is black. And I was shocked at the conversation, went something like this. Pastor Kevin said, I don't know how to preach in this landscape. I don't know how, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to lead our church. I don't know how to feel when certain things are said. And what shocked me was not that, because I feel that. What shocked me was the response of Pastor Earl. His response was, I don't either. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to lead. I feel like half the people in our church want me to do more, and half the people in our church want me to do less. That's exactly how I feel. But I think we have to have this conversation. Whether you're enjoying this sermon or not, we have to talk about it. And we have to, we have to take a step of faith somewhere. It might not be the right step, but we have to walk. Dr. Charlie Dates, a pastor in Chicago, has a podcast called I Can't Breathe. And he said this, believers of color want their brothers and sisters to call out the injustice around them. They want to stand in unity in rebuking a wayward culture. There's some things happening right now that are right and some things that are happening right now that are wrong. And we have to stand up and do our part. I've had conversations with you guys on the phone, in person, online, Zoom calls about how do, we, how do we help. The more that we listen to each other, the more we can realize that I don't know enough and that I am not enough, but we have to listen. And you might hear something that makes you uncomfortable. So some of the most powerful moments in life happen outside of your relational comfort zone, the place where you just feel comfortable. This is everyday conversations. If you can step out of that and have some real conversations with people that might make you feel uncomfortable, some of the most powerful moments happen right there in that moment. Admit racism is real. Number two, listen to someone that's hurting. And number three, this I think we save it for the end. We save this for, hey, when, every, when nothing else works, let's pray. But I'm going to say number three, we should pray. And we should pray first, not last. 
We should not cross our fingers and say, hey, we've done everything we can do. We've acted. Sure, we have to act. We have to pray. We have to act. We have to do the right things. But we have to pray first. (laughs) We can't pray last and say, well, here's to God. Nothing else works. No, we have to pray because we can't do it alone. 2 Chronicles 7.14, the reason why we've been focusing in prayer every day, 7.14 in the morning, 7.14 in the evening, on Sundays together, praying the same prayer for God to answer is because he is the answer. We can't do it without him. If my people who are called by my name, that's God saying, if you, my people, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked waves, that's our part. That's what we do. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. That's God's part. If we do our part, he does his part. Something really incredible I found this week. It's actually a Facebook post. I'll show you the picture right here. It says, we built a stage and have been sharing the love of God at the death site of George Floyd since Saturday. It's the epicenter of so much pain and hatred. Now it's turning into a place of healing and hope. People weeping and giving their life to God right at the site of murder. We've seen people healed, baptized, and many set free. Great to run with such amazing people in this. Look, setting up and standing for something else in a place of pain. We could do that. You can do that where you live, where you work, with your family. We can pray for Mr. Floyd's family. We can pray for Minneapolis. We can pray for the things that have happened since then. Every time we see injustice, we can pray. We can stand up. We will act also. We will listen. We will admit there's a problem. But we'll also pray every time. But we'll pray for police officers. We'll, we'll pray for communities. We'll pray for the discord and unity to be brought, people to be brought together. Where they're suffering, we can pray. John chapter 17, verse 20. And we're going to go pretty quickly from here. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also that those who will believe in me, that's Jesus, through their message, that all of them may be one. That they would be unified, not divided. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that's Jesus and and God the Father, may they also be in us that that the world may believe that you have sent me. God wants to do something in this world, and the way that that happens is whenever we're unified. The Bible says the disciples were in one accord, that they were together, unified, one mind, not divided fighting each other because what happens with God's purpose in the earth? What happens for God to reach this earth and to bring healing and salvation when we're all fighting with each other? It doesn't happen. The whole mission is is derailed because we're fighting with each other. Then the world will know that you sent me and, and, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed for unity. Paul prayed for unity. And we don't stand under one flag, one nation, one ethnicity, one nationality, one conversation, one organization, one church. We stand under one name, and that's the name of Jesus. So we can't say the only thing left to do is pray. We have to say, let's pray first. It can't be our last line of defense. It has to be our first line of offense, that every day we start with prayer. That before we act, we pray, but we still act. And finally, number four, I'll close with this one. 
is that we are going to love people. We're going to love people everywhere we go. And I can tell you this, that love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is a verb. Love is something that you do. It's not something that you feel. And I'm going to prove it to you right here. If, if you say, well, I feel a lot of love for people. That's not love. Uh-oh. If you say, well, I love everybody in my heart. I, you, you don't know what's in my heart. That's not love. Love's not what you feel in your heart. Love's what you do. And there's a scripture that proves it. I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> this is how God showed, First John 4, 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Watch. This is love. Not that we love God. Not the feeling in your heart that, oh, God, I love you too. That's like somebody saying, I love you. Oh, love you too. That's not love. That's a feeling. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Love is something that's given and paid for. It's an action taken. I'll keep proving it. Watch this. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Let's define love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's an action taken, a cost paid. And, and what's our responsibility? How do we show that love? And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So I'll ask you the question, who have you laid down your life for? Because all I see is a lot of people. Not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing at you. I'm not talking about you. But all I see is a bunch of people around the world standing up and fighting, saying, I don't have to lay down my life. Standing up in defense of why we don't have to love. Or why I'm justified in not taking actions of love. What does your love look like? How have you laid down your life? It's hard questions. Who are you laying down your life for? One last verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the... I read this first when, we, when somebody's getting married. I read the chapter. We just defining what love is. God is love. But Paul describes that godly love in 1 Corinthians. This is the chapter of love. The whole chapter is this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. But when you turn on the news, what do we see? When you look at other churches, when you look at other people, when you look at the neighborhood, you look at, we have a neighborhood app. People fight. It's like constant. I don't even like to get, get on there. Social media is the same thing. You look at social media, everybody's fighting. Everybody's not patient. They're not kind. They envy. And I'm not trying to point out other people's problems. I'm saying, hey, let's be the difference. Let's go somewhere else. Love is not proud. But even for most of the church right now, you can say, oh, they're proud. They're boasting. They're fighting. They're not patient. They're not kind. We have to, we have to do something different and start something different. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Does that sound like the church? It keeps no record of wrongs. That is a high standard of love. That's something that is hard, guys. When we say that we're laying down our life, sometimes that might be, you know what? I don't like what's being said right now, but I'm going to lay down my life. I don't like what's happening around me right now, but I'm going to lay down my life. I'm not going to stand up and defend something that doesn't need to be defended. Here's where I think it gets harder and harder the further we read. Watch this. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. This is back to that standing for justice. Where something is right, we stand up. And where something is wrong, we say it can't be that way. It always protects. Are y'all hearing me? Love always protects. When someone's hurting, we're hurting. When injustice is found, we're standing up for what's right and what's wrong. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Not sometimes, not most of the time, not like as long as everything's going pretty good and no one hurt my feelings, then I'll, then I'll trust and hope and protect and preserve. We're talking about a kind of love that should be, hey, I'm about to close. So I feel like I have, I have enough credit to say this. People should be able to offend me on purpose, like intentionally offend me, and I'll still love them, and I'll still trust, and I'll still protect, and I'll still preserve, and I will still hope. That means anybody in this room should be able to come up and offend me and throw insults at my face, and I should still love. I should still hope. I should still protect you, preserve you. And if, if you're hurting, I should still hurt with you. And yet the first insult that comes, the first injury that comes across and I get offended, boom, draw a line, you and me. It's us and them now. That's not how it should be. We should, love sounds painful, doesn't it? It is. But that's what we're here for. If you're still trying to figure out what side to get on, you're on the wrong side. Love doesn't have an argument, doesn't have a rationale, doesn't have a, a political position. Let's position ourselves to do the things that God wants from us, to do what's right. I've gone a little bit over time, but we're going to pray now. Would you just settle in your heart to, to listen to the Holy Spirit? Because more than anything I've said today, more than anything I've addressed, hopefully you, you can listen to the Holy Spirit because he'll, he'll speak right to you. You don't have to, well, I wonder what God's thinking. God will tell you. God will speak right to your heart and move you. Like a, he, he leads us like a shepherd. He says, hey, come this way. He doesn't push you. He doesn't stand behind you and say, go that way. No, he, he says, hey, we're going this way, and, you, and we follow him. He just kind of tugs on your heart a little bit. I want to pray today. There might be some things that you've said or done that you want to ask God to forgive you of. There may be some things in your, in your heart where you need to reposition yourself, and he He's saying, hey, we need to get a little more this way or that way. Or let's mend a relationship that's broken. Let's reach out to somebody. Let's love on someone, even if it hurts. There is a time for us to make, make things right in our own hearts. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, right now we ask that you would just help us to position our hearts into a place where we can be a part of the solution. We admit that there is a problem. We acknowledge that... We haven't been in the right place or said the right words or, or, or loved people in the right way. And so right now, God, we ask that you would help us to make a difference, to bring your light into the world, to stand with believers, to stand as the body of Christ and bring healing, bring justice with mercy and humility in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
There was a man that lived. His name was Jesus. He came to this earth and he loved more than anyone else ever loved. He loved more people and tried to bring. He said said that that God loved all people, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles and the Romans and every other. If we think that racial division is is big now, I, I promise you that in Jesus' day, it was big. They fought and fought and killed. It was just as relevant relevant as it as it is today it was then. And Jesus loved more than anyone ever loved. And what happened? What they do to him? They beat him, they cursed him, they arrested him, they spat on him, they crucified him. And yet we expect that things might be different for us. The cost to be paid, all I'm saying is this. We should be willing to stand up, even if it costs us to love people. Today, you may be sitting in this room or maybe watching online and thinking, you don't know what the love of God feels like. You can't love someone the way that God wants you to love them if you don't know the love of God in your own heart. If you don't know how God loves you, you can't love someone else with that same love. You can't give it to anyone. So I'd like to give you an opportunity today. If you if you feel like you're far from God, you feel like you're, you're separated from God and feel like you don't know what God, you wouldn't even begin to know where to start in getting close to God. All, I'll tell you that all you have to do is say a prayer and invite him in, into your life. And that big open space between you and God that feels like, I don't know where God is. I feel far from, that can come, he'll, he, he can be so close to you in just a moment when you reach out for him. He's already reaching out to you. So if that's you today, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me to invite him into your life and he can change you forever by bringing his love into your life and being your Lord and Savior. So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? And if that's you, if you, if you feel like I, I don't want to be far from God, I want to be close to God. I don't want to go another day without knowing that love in my life. Just from right where you are with nobody looking around, every eye closed, would you just take a, take a moment and would you just raise up your hand and say, I want to say that prayer with you. I want my life to be changed. I want the love of God in my life. Would you just raise your hand up? Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. All of you who have raised your hands and those of you who are at home watching online, thank you. Thank you more and more. Awesome. I'd like for every person in this room and those of you online watching at home, if you're still sitting in your living room with your family, would you just say this prayer with me out loud so nobody's praying alone? You can put your hands down. Would you pray these words after me? Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life and save me. I believe you sent your son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross to pay for my sin. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. And save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.com relatecommunity.com.
Pastor Sean and I are praying for you and we're speaking life over you and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.